You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Uh, it's good to be with you guys this morning. I, we're going to wrap up 2 Corinthians today. I'm excited. I, I feel like we've been in this a long time. Maybe you're like, yeah, Sean, we've been in this way too long. I don't know what the view from the pew, as you, as, uh, you may say, is, but... Uh, You know, we've talked about a lot of things along the way about just God's grace and his work in our life. We spent quite a bit of time as we unpacked the gospel and how God has given us that ministry of reconciliation that we just saw a video that touched on and talked about giving here recently, talked a lot about church drama. You know, this is church. And Paul is kind of wrapping all of that up in his letter to the the Corinthian church. uh, And he's putting a little bow on it this morning. And so I'm going to share with you guys uh, four things, four marks. Of a, of a great church, of a good church that's, that's really honoring God, that should look at itself and look at one another and feel like, you know what, we're doing what we should be doing. We're, we're, we're living out our life. We're experiencing and expressing the, the, the Christian life and the gospel is the way God meant it to be. But it's, there are four marks that really should be in each of our lives because that's really how you, you look at a church, right? It's not by the building. It's really not by the programs. It's not by any of that stuff. It's really about us as the people. So look with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and uh, we're going to look at the last three verses this morning. So 2 Corinthians 13, 11 through 14. So read with me if you would, guys. Paul says this, finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another. Paul's about to give us a laundry list, a bunch of short things they're supposed to do, all right? He says, Comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and here's a result. The God of love and peace will be with you. When you live this way, here's what's going to happen. By the way, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Four things that... that that are in here. I kind of combined some of these things down or we would have like a 10-point message and that's not the way to win and influence any friendships in life whatsoever. Kid, I got 10 things I'm going to tell you right now, you know, that uh, we don't want to do that. So let me give you these four things that should be a part of our life. Maturity, that, that restoration and comfort is really us maturing in Christ together in our faith. Um, harmony, that we would have the same mind as one another and being at peace with one another. Community, that we would greet one another and love one another and and be in that relationship well. And then spirituality, that, that God, we would experience Him in our life, His grace, His love, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So four aspects. If any of these things are missing in a church, then there's something significantly missing in the life of that church. If any of these things are missing in our lives, then there's a major component in there that we're, we're missing it and we're missing what God has for us. So let's talk a little bit about maturity. Paul, Paul, he tells us to rejoice, but that didn't fit my four points, to be real honest with you. So we know we're to be a church that's joyful and it's important, but let me focus on the next pieces that Paul really seems to, to aim at here. He says, aim for restoration and comfort one another. And the idea is that God is telling us is that we should be restored. This restoration means to put in order. It means to complete. It means to bring back to original design. It means to fix that which is broken, to replace that which is missing. 
As we saw in the video that I think so, uh, the, the welcome video this morning, that just so I love the thread of life and that God from the Bible has been on this mission of restoration. We've been talking about that on Thursday nights. And I love how it bridged into our lives in reality today that God is trying to restore us to ourselves, to one another, to Him. And hes that's the ministry that He's given us. And then we live our life that every day we should be pursuing that in, in, in all of life. You see, what God is trying to do is to restore you and me back to that which He originally made us to be is people in the image of God. He's trying to fix that which is broken. He's trying to replace that which is hindered. He's trying to, to, to repair and to put into us that which is missing. He's trying to restore us to kind of, you know, OEM. You buy parts for your car or whatever, you know, you're looking for the, the OEM. If it's not the original manufacturer, you want at least the, the aftermarket to you want it to fit. You want it to work right, and you want it to be the design that's going to accomplish what it was originally designed for. God is at work in your life and in my life at all times to continue to play out that, that restoration within us. Now, something that's significant about this, that's tough to kind of pick out in the, the English translation, but that, that word restoration here is a command it's not an option. We're to do it continuously in our life, but it's a passive command. What that means is not that God's passive in heaven. What it means is, is we're to allow somebody else to do it to us. Nobody gets excited about going to the dentist, right? I assume that's a given. Nobody here is like, woohoo, I get to go to the dentist today. I always dread it because I'm like, oh, I hope I don't have a cavity. I hope I don't have this. And, and I feel like the, the, they're always like, so how often do you brush your teeth? Hmm, you know, and all this. I'm like, great. You know, it's like this whole evaluation every time. Nobody likes that. I, I go to the dentist because I do not have the ability to take care of my teeth the way they need to be, the way they need to be cleaned and fixed and all of that. So I sit back in the chair, and my part of the process, besides paying the money, is to, uh, is to open my mouth and cooperate and let the dentist feel like they you know, poke and prod and do whatever they're going to do in my mouth. That's the picture of what this is. The, God is telling us is to allow ourselves to be restored. So it's a, it's a challenge. It's not, a, it's not saying, hey, you go out and fix yourself. There's a lot of things that we have in life that we have to go to the experts to fix. We go, whether it's our vehicle or our home or other situations, we, we either call a friend or we pay the money and get a contractor or somebody that can do what we either can't do or don't have time to do. And what God is telling us this morning is, is that in this area of restoration, that there's stuff in our life that only God can repair. We can't fix it. When well, we don't just lay there, close our eyes, and hope that somehow we wake up today, tomorrow different in a different world, but what we do is to allow God to work in our life, and we cooperate with Him. We, we allow Him to do that in our life, to restore us increasingly the way He designed us, and, and out of that, 
That's where the community restoration kicks in because when God begins putting the pieces to replace the missing puzzle piece in our life and to, to enhance and to, to bring back what he originally meant to be as people made in his image and a perfect relationship with him, then when that relationship begins getting squared away, our relationship with him and inside of ourselves, then as we live out our life, it begins, we begin to be restored to one another. We talk about here at River that, that our focus is, our desire is that we want to help people experience that life change, that restoration change is another way of talking about it, that, that God brings us into relationship with Him and that God begins to change our life. And the more and more we follow Jesus, the more and more we pursue that little thread as we saw in the video, that He changes us on the inside, changes us in every way. One of the concerns I have today is increasingly, we have so, have you ever noticed that the world around us is so specialized? You know, and it's by necessity. We've learned so much. I mean, you know, take an example of the medical field. And obviously, I'm not a medical professional, but you go to this doctor for this thing, this doctor for this thing. We've all been referred. Oh, I got a pain here. Oh, well, I can't fix that. I got to send you to this other one and go to this next one down the road and down the road. And it makes sense, you know, medically, because you want to go to somebody that knows what they're doing. And the information is so specialized and so high end, you can't be an expert in everything everything. None of us want to go who need, you know, operation in our brain to a guy who's like, oh, I've never done this before, but I think I can handle it. <laughs> you know, I have my extra cup of coffee today. I can work on your brain. And, and in the process, but what happens is, is that we begin to all of life, that's an example of what's happening in every area, is that we compartmentalize every area of life. Let me bring it down to us spiritually. A concern that I have is that we subtly, as followers of Jesus, are turning to so many other specializations around us to, to heal, to fix, to work on us spiritually, emotionally, mentally, relationally, in, every, in so many areas of life, and we're missing the right in front of us is that God is the one who wants to restore us. Sean, are you saying that all, let's say mental health, all mental health issues are spiritual issues? Yeah, I would say that all, I would say there's no issue in your life that's not spiritual. There's a spiritual component to it. Some mental health issues are primarily spiritual, if not many. Some are not. Some need medical treatment, other things along the way. But we're in a world today, and I want to caution us, that we assume everything has just a, you know, a, a medical fix or a this fix or that fix. Folks, when, when you and I enter into a relationship with God, and when we've been cut off from that which is life, and we've been torn away, and we are broken because of our sin and our selfishness and our jaded views and our, uh, our, the, the, the anger and lust and greed and all that mess that's in our heart, it's going to mess you up in every way, spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally, all kinds of ways, mentally. And what God is doing in our life is restoring and removing that sin, removing the corruption, removing the, the cancer, removing the degradation out of our soul, and is restoring us. 
And so I want to challenge you, church, for us to think about this whole restoration is that God wants to, to impact you, to help your thinking, to help you, your feeling, to help in our life. Because it, when we get security and we feel that love and we experience them in our life, there is a, a restoration that is powerful in our life. And it continues our entire life. That's why we're all about one of our big values here at Rivers, that more and more that we would be changed for the better with Jesus. So when we think about what God is trying to do in our midst, as Paul ties this little bow up, he said, guys, be zeroed in on maturity. Allow God to, to restore you. And, and a part of that is comforting one another. That next part that he talks about here, again, this is hard to translate in English and, and to get across, but this is a passive thing. It's not so much comfort one another as much as it is allow yourself to be comforted by others. And that word comfort is a really challenging word. If, you, if, if, if you're familiar with the word for the Holy Spirit, our helper, that's what it is, is that it's saying allow yourself to be encouraged, allow yourself to be called out, to be exhorted, to be appealed to, allow yourself to be equipped to be aided, to be guided. Allow yourselves to, to be changed in the middle of that. So you and I, when we think about this whole maturity piece, that, that there's something that God does in our lives, something that we together in a community of faith are to be helping one another to grow. And one, a piece of our main role of that is to just frankly be open to that. It's to... Be open that we all still need to change, that we all still have sin issues in our life, that we all have areas of our life that God is trying to heal. See, the longer that we go before we finally trust Christ, and the more we've experienced life and hardship and even the abuse, the more stuff that's just inside of us and that God has to work a little bit harder. I hadn't gone to the dentist for over a year because of COVID. I finally went. I was in there like, like an hour and a half just in the chair. I'm like, oh my goodness. I just thought this was a cleaning. I, I, don't, I don't know if it was because it was a new dentist. We, like, everything has shifted with COVID, right? We're like all having to figure out new things and our old dentist and all of that changed and messed up. But you know, I could tell the hygienist is like, when was the last time you went to the dentist? I'm like, well, it's been COVID. It's been over a year. So the longer that we've lived our life apart from God and the grace of God in our life, the more just crud and junk and stuff is in there that God has to work through. And so we as a church need to be a people that individually we're maturing, we're allowing God to work in our life, we're leaning into that, we're seeking help and encouragement from others. We're seeking guidance from scriptures and that our time with God, we're, we're in a position where our attitude is God work on us. We're open to that in other people's lives. We're re reading books that help us with that. We're seeking that counsel that we need as a part of God's restoration process. So my question to you is, is how is your life changing for the better? How is your life changing? How are you growing in your faith? Second thing, I'm going to move through these next two kind of quickly, but maturity and then harmony. He says, he says guys, agree with one another. Live in peace. That, that agree with one another means literally to have this, the same mind. Think 
Think the same way. Think that same way. Paul's not challenging us to have conformity. This is not a blind, well, you should just, oh, we should all just agree. Just whatever the life group facilitator says, whatever the, the youth group leader says, whatever a pastor says, just, just, just blindly just follow whatever that is. I love how the world around today is just manipulating and almost shaming and just guilting a whole thought process and worldviews into it. This whole idea of thinking the same and having the same mind is not that. What it means is, hey guys, on the important things, we ought to come to agreement on. There's things that we believe as a church that we discuss in our Discover class that everybody that's thinking about becoming a member or even just want us to be with us that, that we de declare and we talk about those things. And in there we say, hey, and there's other things that, you know, that really are important too, but not as important as these things. Like if you're going to be a member, these things are what you're agreeing to. What Paul is telling us is that, guys, that our mind and our thinking about the important things of life should be in alignment. Shouldn't be like your car when it's out of alignment and things don't work well and tires don't wear right and all of that. There should be an alignment. And what it means is, is that it's okay in small things that we disagree. It's okay. We're never going to be the same. I mean, in my family with, you know, with my kids, we don't all agree about everything under the sun. It's impossible. I mean, it's impossible making meals for that many people with all different taste buds and desires and just what do you want to do today? What do you want to, I mean, it's, it's impossible. So that's when we, I am the law, you had best salute, you know, I'm kidding. I'm not, we're not, I don't lead that way. The problem that we have is too often you and I make everything a big thing. You see, on big things we should agree. Little things, it's okay. And maturity, wisdom, and experience learns to separate those two. And the longer you live, the more you realize like, wow, the little thing pile gets bigger and the big thing pile seems to be getting smaller. And Paul is saying, guys, get on the same page. If it's a small thing, don't ever value a small thing over a relationship with somebody. Let it go. Big thing? Yeah, you got to choose and keep those big things. If somebody comes and says, family member, whatever, like, don't stop believing in God or, you know, that kind of stuff. Then I'm going to say, if that's your condition of friendship or family, well, I'm sorry, i got to choose the big thing over that. But guys, we don't get in trouble over the big things when it comes to church family. We run into trouble over the small stuff. And Paul says, whatever it takes, get over it. Get over your pride. Get over thinking you're smarter. Get over thinking that you need to control everybody else. And focus on the big and allow space for the little. Think the same thing. And as much as possible, live peaceably with one another. He says, seek peace. Agree with one another. Pursue peace. Live in peace. In other words, don't create turbulence in other people's life. Do you have turbulence makers? You guys know, you fly on the plane and you know, what was that? Turbulence. Do you have people that create turbulence in your life? What God is telling us is as church family, we should be careful. There's enough turbulence in the world around us. 
When it comes to relationships and church family and, and one another as followers of Jesus, that we should be trying to smooth the turbulence as much as possible, not creating it. Well, Sean, does that mean that we should just, you know, give in to everything that happens? No. But we need to have discernment wisdom to know when it's big and know when it's little. Right? Go back to Sesame Street. I don't even know Sesame Street anymore, but, you know, big, you know. I can hear Grover, little, you know. and Play the game. Is this big? Is it little? And choose relationships over little things. Choose big things over relationships. And as much as possible, live at peace, harmony, maturity, harmony. That's what we should be as a church. Third thing, community. You can have harmony with somebody and not be in community with them. I've got harmony with all kinds of people in this world because I don't ever have to talk to them. It's great. To be honest with you, that's why when we finally are frustrated with people, we're like, well, I'm going to ghost them. I'm not going to talk to them or whatever. We're looking for harmony. But the way we get to harmony is by cutting ourselves off from them. So as church family, we're not allowed that one. It's harmony and community together. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And that's always fun. Like, seriously, we had to kiss each other? And I'm like, what is a holy pucker up? Is it like more wet? Is that more holy? Is it drier? Like, like you know, keep, keep in mind, this is, this is Middle Eastern culture. The Bible's not Western, it's Middle, it's Middle Eastern. And it was cultural to greet one another. Everyone, even if they weren't followers of Jesus, greeted one another with a kiss. It's not our culture here, right? We might would today say, greet one another a holy handshake. So what God did was kind of culturally appropriate. Yes, God did do that. And took what was common in the secular culture, and he made it holy, made it have meaning. And Paul turns around and is like, hey, you tell everybody that hello, and it was more than just a hello, it was a holy hello. And genuinely have them, greet them and all the people here greeting one another. This was not a perfunctory, how you doing? This was a genuine, hey, we care about you, we're asking about you, we're in community together. Guys, with COVID, one of the things that I struggle the most with, and I think we do as a church, is the isolation you know, two services and smallness. And I just, I, I love, I get excited. I'm just I'm thrilled every day. I get to wear a mask and just cover up. And like, huh, what'd you say? Can you talk up a little bit further? Are you missing, are you smiling? Are you whatever? I just, I love the separation. <laughs> love it. This is difficult. But COVID has isolated us. And God tells us to find community even in the middle of that. Even in the middle of it. I would encourage you. I think we're at a point in our Christian experience now, even as a church and others, everyone's battling this, is it becomes convenient to be isolated. And so I would encourage us all to not do that. I'm not saying if you've been staying home to be safe for health reasons or if you're at home staying home for health reasons, I'm not saying that's at all inappropriate, not saying that at all. But I'm saying this, in the middle of that, what's the plan in your life to find community? And I'm cautioning us all to not get too used to it for convenience because God intended us for relationships closely. One little thing that all I know to do and is this summer is we're actually gearing up and talking through about how to have more services outside. 
because I think that allows us, and I, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be a nice fresh air. Frankly, with still snow on the ground, I'm ready to go outside. But we want to do it actually more than we did last winter, and we're planning on how to do that. And our desire is to allow us to have community, allow us in those relationships. So how do you do that? It's time and commitment. It's being willing to hang out and talk, not jetting and running out the door, not just isolating and not just watching, but genuinely leaning in, paying the price, and investing yourself in somebody else. And along the way, as you invest in them, you in turn get invested in that relationship. Kind of the takes a friend to be a friend. Well, I don't ever have any friends. Well, have you tried just being a friend first? And if you try being a friend with others, then you turn around and you actually wake up one day like, oh, I actually have friends too. Wow. So maturity, harmony, community, and fourth one, and I'm going to be finished, spirituality. Paul says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit, Holy Spirit be with you all. Paul is praying, saying, guys, this is what I hope for for you. It's a wish. It's a prayer, which means it's not automatic. It says, this is my desire for you. As you individually and as a church live your life, I'm praying that you would experience the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Spirit. As you live out these truths, that you will experience the presence of God in your life deeply. Most people that... One of, the, one of the big objections, if you will, to church today or religion is it's just, it's just too religious, right? Most people who are atheists are not hardcore atheists, like scientific, just like, oh, I've studied all of this and I just don't believe there's a God. Most are like, yeah, I really don't think there's a God. I'm kind of an atheist, but, but I want to keep my mind open. That they're really more agnostic, which is just ah, ah means no, and gnostic means knowledge, so they don't know, they don't have knowledge. And, and like atheists, the ah, the a means no, and theist means God, so there is no God. But most folks who are atheists really are more agnostic. They're just kind of not too sure. They really don't see a lot of God in the world. Like, you know, I went to Walmart today, I didn't see God. I kind of went to school, I didn't really see God. I went outside for a walk, I really didn't see God. I'm like, I don't see God showing up anywhere. I'm not sure there is one. You know, if I lived most of my life looking for something and, you know, and not ever seeing it, I would doubt if it was there too. You know, I'd be like, I don't think there really is one. Here's the thing. People want reality in their life, and they're open to spirituality. They're open to spiritual things. Because they're made in the image of God, they crave something of meaning that's spiritual. But they're totally done with religion. And that's not a new thing. It's actually, religion is kind of our creation of people of what God has taught us. And we systematize it and we do what we're going to do to it. But the spiritual aspect the relational aspect, the spiritual aspect, those two kind of collide, is really what God does. And that's what God's talking about here. Paul's prayer is that we would each experience the grace of our Lord Jesus daily. That's an ongoing part of our life. 
and that we would experience God's love in a tangible, spiritual way, that relational value, and that we would experience the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with each and every follower of Jesus. The reason why people don't experience that fellowship is because they've not experienced the love of God. And the reason they haven't experienced the love of God is because they haven't experienced the grace of God. See, if you look at this carefully, this is the Trinity. I've told you guys before that when the Bible uses the word God, most often it's just it means God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit together. And sometimes, though, in context, it's clear it's meaning Father. And that's one of these contexts, because if you look, there's Jesus Christ, there's the love of God, that's the Father, and then there's the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is alluded here to very clearly, and all three are treated on par, all right? The word fellowship means participation. And what it's saying is, Paul is saying, I'm praying for the participation of the Holy Spirit of God in every area of your life. I want you to feel, experience, to know, to live your life every day in a close, abiding, real relationship with the power of God in heaven in your life, with, that, with all that He is lived out in your life with Him. That's what people are craving when they're looking for spirituality. They're craving that. Not the religious side, they're craving the, 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 the fellowship, the relationship, the God living in our life so that when we go to work, we're not alone, and that the Holy Spirit of God is with us, participating in our life, that we're walking through the day, whether joyful singing a song or whether we're down, whether we're concerned, whatever, trying to make decision for wisdom, that at all of those things and the roller coaster things of life, sometimes going up, sometimes going down, sometimes staying down, sometimes up a little while, that in all of that, that the Holy Spirit inside of us that we would have this conscious, growth, relational experience with Him. And the reason people don't experience that is because they haven't ever experienced the love of God in their life. That the God of heaven, our Father, loves us and is so committed to us. A sacrifice for us. And the reason they're questioning the existence and validity of God that love is because they've never experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. Grace, like when you and I get a grace period on something, we're, we have a debt. We, there's an obligation. And we have a time where we're off the hook. We didn't deserve it, but it's just given to us. I think that's, you know, students right now are not having to repay loans, right? It's a grace period because it's saying, hey, you really owe this money, but we know COVID's bad and whatever, and so we're going to give you a grace period. You see, you and I are in need of God's grace, that we're deep in debt to our God in heaven, who's a just and a holy God, and our sin, because of it, we owe Him. We owe, because of our injustices in our life, that we owe, the Bible says, deserve punishment. We're guilty and shame and all of that. And until we experience God's forgiving grace through Jesus who died on the cross, we never experience the love of God. 
until we experience the love of God, we never experience the fellowship of God daily throughout our life. You see, if you read this carefully, this is why is this out of order? Why is it not God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? It's because it's actually not looking at it from God's perspective. It's actually looking at it from perspective of how we experience His salvation and His work in our life. And that always starts with grace with Jesus. And then it goes to where we experience the love of God, and then we more and more we experience the presence of God in our life, that deep, that spirituality, that just walk with God. And the reason that people don't experience the grace of God is because they're not willing to give up their sin, or they don't know how to give up their sin, or nobody's told them. See, the Bible tells us that in the end, people hold on to the things that they do wrong, instead of turning to Jesus to experience His forgiveness and His grace. That we run from the light because our deeds are evil. We prefer to hold on to our selfishness, our prejudice, our bitterness, our hatred, our anger, our greed, our pride, our lust. We'd rather hang on to those then admit we're wrong and humbly reach out and receive the grace of Jesus that forgives all of that stuff. And consequently, people walk through life. I haven't seen God lately. I know, because you're holding on to your junk and you're unwilling to humble yourself and ask Jesus to save you and experience His grace. And when you do that, then you experience God's love, really experience it and appreciate it and, and see it in action. And when you do that, then you really experience the thing with God, the fellowship and the deep sense of Him at work in your life. You see, the world, unfortunately, wants to hold on and keep life the same, but just have a little bit of God, like a little flavor, put a little dabble of God in there, a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of relationally, and kind of have both. And God's like, no can do. You have to surrender your life fully to Jesus, admit your sin, and throw yourself on His grace and receiving His forgiveness based on what He did, not based on your religion, your traditions, or anything, your own goodness, which isn't really good. And only then can you receive that grace. So guys, as a ch church, I, I want to encourage us at a couple of levels here. If you've never really received that grace, you need to do that. And if you have, God wants us to our whole life to live every day in that gracefulness of God and to live every day in His love and to live every day in that that deep and abiding relationship with Him. That should be the mark on our experience. So let me ask you the, the questions. I think I had them on the screen when we went through these. Where are you growing in your life? Where's your life changing? Where are you maturing? Where do you need to? Where are you? How in unity are you with other fellow believers? Are you how are you in community? Are you really connecting and engaged and giving yourself?
sometimes we kind of, we don't want to admit it, but sometimes we kind of get our feelings hurt or our whatever. And we're like, ah, they don't care about me. They, you know, when we back up, there's nobody there my age. There's none of this and all of that. And, and God says, guys, you're supposed to figure this out. Let small stuff be small stuff. Get in community. And the last one is, how are you experiencing the presence of God in your life today? I'm willing to bet most of us need to focus on one of these things and allow God to speak into our hearts. These are the four areas for us to consider to, to live out our life daily. So which one of these do you feel like God's kind of knocking at your heart's door this morning, kind of tugging on you? Maybe he's encouraging. Maybe you've not felt the presence of God, and maybe God is saying this morning to you, yeah, you need to lean into this. I don't know. Maybe you've been, you know, feeling isolated. It's easy. I feel that way too. But maybe there's something that you can do to find community. I don't care if it's picking up a phone and talking to somebody, if it's Zooming somebody. Zooming, there's a great word like Googled somebody, Zoomed somebody. You know, maybe you need to, to uh, video chat somebody, Google Meets or whatever, all of those things. I don't know. But would you respond to what God's been kind of speaking into your heart this morning? Would you speak and respond to him? Pray with me, would you? Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his grace, his love. Father, I am grateful that your grace, his grace is greater than all of our sin. I'm grateful that we today can walk in your love. Lord, as human beings, we're needful. And I think of what happens when any child is removed from loving relationships early in life. Lord, the results are not pretty. And when we feel that we're somehow cut off from love or cut off from your love, the results are not pretty. But Father, I pray that you would help us to, to not add to that, but to instead lean into your grace and your forgiveness, that we're the ones that cut ourselves off from you. And to experience that, and to experience your love daily, and to experience you in our life deeply. Lord, may we be a spiritually minded church, not just a church that believes the truth, that holds to the right things or right teachings, but Lord, may we be a church that knows how to genuinely walk with you and live in this world in which we find ourselves today. So, Lord, I pray for everybody here, the things they're thinking through. Bless them. Help them to take a next step in their faith, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, guys, I don't know what you're thinking in your mind, but pick one of those things I would encourage you and lean into it. Maybe you haven't been leaning into maturity lately. Maybe you've been kind of just coasting in life. Find something. I, that's why we do life groups. It's why... There's good books to be read, and there's good podcasts to be listened to, and other things to be viewed, but daily times with God. But allow God to work in your heart, but pick something in there that God's talking to you. So that's the church we want to be. So anyway, hope you have a great week, and uh, enjoy the sunshine. I think I really did smell spring today, so it's coming, even though it's February. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.